Hey everybody, on today's Contractor Growth Network, we're counting down the top moments for the year 2020. So if you hear this sound, that means we switched guests, switched moments, and maybe Logan's even switched his shirt. We hope you enjoy, and we can't wait to kick off new episodes of the Contractor Growth Network podcast next Tuesday, right here on Apple Podcasts. Alex, in your opinion, you've been around for Shinfu for a while. What is the Shinfu process? It's a five-step pre-qualification process, so mostly done over the phone, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's to decide if the cl- I don't want to say it meanly, but the client's worth your time or not. Like, is it in the same you know? That's ballpark? exactly what it is. Yeah, it, to be blunt, it's you know, are they worth the worth the the travel, travel, the yeah. trouble. Yeah. So the way that the Shinfu process started, and this is big. If you've never heard of this before, it's all stemming from the Contractor Sales Academy. And the the background on this was growing up, my dad's a contractor, pond and water feature contractor, and he went through this cycle where what would happen is. A homeowner would call him up or fill out a form on his website and reach out and say, hey, I would like to get a quote for a waterfall in my backyard. And he would go, all right, great. And then he would hop in his truck, drive out there, do give the quote to them right there on the spot, go through everything, take about, say, a 45-minute drive, a two-hour consultation, uh, then give them the quote, another 45-minute drive on the way home. So now it's about three and a half hours. And then the homeowner... At the end of before he leaves the house, they would go, oh, yeah, I got to think it over. Or, yep, let me just talk to my husband and I'll get back to you. And guess what happens every single time they said that? No. They well, not. What's worse than a no? They wouldn't even respond. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that is way worse. It's way worse. Yeah. So they got ghosted. And that happened over and over and over. And what he realized was he thought, okay. And he got smart before this. He said, I actually have a $75 consultation fee, which weeds out some people, people who are totally price shopping. But even with, you know, before going out there, even before he would go out, he would tell people, I have a $75 consultation fee. Mm -hmm. And he still had a 24% close rate in the yard. So that means that out of every 100 jobs he goes out to, he's only getting 24 of them. Mm -hmm. The other 76, for the most part, just totally ghosted him. A few of them would say no. But for the most part, he's stuck on what they call Hope Island, okay. which is where you say, yep, I got all these proposals out there. I'm going to make so much money. And I, it still happens to me when I ever talk to a contractor and I'm like, how's everything going in the business? And they go, it's great. I've got you know 15 proposals out there. So it might be a killer 2020. It also might be nothing. I have no idea, mm-hmm. which is a terrible place to be because how can you forecast or do anything in the business if you have no idea if you're going to make a million dollars off those 15 proposals or absolutely nothing? Yeah. That's a horrible way to. Yeah. To Could you work. imagine? It's, it's horrible. Yeah. So uneasy. Right. So that is the nature of being in sales in general, but specifically with a contractor where you drive out to the home. So he said, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. And he developed what is now known as the Shin Fu process. And the name Shin Fu, Shin comes from my last name or, and his last name, Shin Holster. And Fu comes from uh, one of the guys that's in the CSA said, it's almost like when he talks to you, he just did some uh, some like sales Kung Fu on you and you end up buying. So they combined it into Shin Fu. Mm-hmm. And that is how it came up with its name at this point. So... The five steps, and and here's why this is super important, is I know for me, whenever I sell, and I talk to a a 
contractor and I say, all right, what do you want to do from here? And they're like, I got to think it over or let me just double check something and I'll give you a call right back. And if they ghost me, it it frustrates the hell out of me because they lied to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge opponent of lying. Like mm-hmm. own your like one of our values is own your domain, meaning just own your shit, live up to it. And when people lie to me, it bugs me to no end. Mm-hmm. But they're lying to me over the phone. Mm-hmm. I don't have to drive anywhere. And it's yeah. usually a half an hour conversation and then they lie. Not me spend money on gas, mm-hmm. drive out there, do the job or do the, the consultation, then drive back. Change your whole day for it. It's your whole day right there. And then yeah. imagine like doing that over and over and over only to get ghosted all the time. To make zero dollars. I mean, how would you feel if, if that was the case? I feel horrible. Yeah. It's way worse to get ghosted in person than it is over the phone. I mean, no one mm-hmm. likes to get ghosted, but... I wasted all my time playing my day. And especially if I know I have to be somewhere at a certain time, the, yeah. the morning kind of gets delayed because I'm like, well, I got to be here by this. So I can't do this. Can't do that. So I feel horrible. I mean, think about it. So if I do a half, like I do everything because I'm pretty concise. I do a half an hour consultation versus 45 minutes out, two hours there, 45 minutes back. That's one's a half an hour long and one's three and a half hours long. So let's just say if you learn how to do it over the phone, that's an extra three hours every day that you free up to do whatever it is that you want. Mm -hmm. Whether it's more marketing or spending time with your family, you free that up and you don't have to deal with face-to-face rejection in essence. Yeah. I I look at it from a consumer's standpoint where if the contractor necessarily comes out to Mm -hmm. the job, I consider that not a negative obviously, but like on the initial meet, he has too much time on his hands or she has too much time on her hands. Right. Like, it's it's just okay. Like, if you're willing to drop everything right now. And then if you think about, like, the whole idea of, like, you know, Reber's got this whole mentality of bringing respect back to the trades. But if somebody calls you up and says, hey, I want a quote, and you drive, jump right in your truck and you drive out there, mm-hmm. how do you bring respect to yourself? Like, could yeah. you imagine, like, how many times have you ever, like, like, you know what? I want you to get a doctor over here right now. It Never. doesn't happen. <laughs> right. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Lawyers, all that kind of stuff. But contractors expected to do that. Yeah. And until you say, whoa, 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 I got a process to go through this, you're going to continue with this cycle. And it's going to continue to push the idea that a contractor, the way they should do business is just hop in the truck and do whatever it takes to win the job. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple of people tell me before, like, well, you got to, you have to earn my business. And I'm like, you know what? Clearly, I did a really poor job of showing you the value yeah. of what I do. So I'm out. Like, yeah. I'm good. Like, if that's your mentality, that's fine. And it's usually people that say that are the ones that, as contractors, that's what they get all day long and they just get on all day long. So they project onto me mm-hmm. by going, well, you got to prove your value. And it's most likely because a homeowner says to them, well, you're more expensive than the other person. You got to prove to me why you're worth more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, feeling you'll be calling back to, for me to fix it that's yeah why. yeah that's, <laughs> it's it's tough so yeah i, I get it because you, you get beat down so much and you think that's just part of business but the shinfu process really does it, it it works high-end buying so let's go for a car a seventy-five thousand dollar car because this is the same price point as a seventy-five thousand dollar kitchen remodel bathroom remodel addition backyard landscape that's a hell of a deck, things like that. Mm-hmm. So for a car, the very first thing with a car, and first off, Alex, let me ask you, like, as far as buying a new car, how long do you think that sale cycle is? Like, How long from the first time you go, you know what, I'd like to get a new car till you actually buy it? Uh, 
my sister just went through this okay. and she really wanted a new car. Her process was much quicker, I felt like. It was only like a week. I would say a couple weeks, I think, would be my process. See, I'm on the opposite end. I'm like, I've been looking for a new car for over a year now. Oh, really? A very long time because wow. I don't need one. Okay. If I needed one, it's different. The last time I bought a car, mm -hmm. I sold my car out in California because I used to live in San Francisco. I sold my car uh, at eight o'clock in the morning to CarMax, hopped on a 10.30 flight, got over to here, mm -hmm. to, uh, well actually I flew to Maryland, mm -hmm. late at night, woke up the next morning, nine o'clock, went to CarMax and had to buy another car because the next day after that, I had to drive from Maryland to Charlotte, okay. where I was gonna move. Mm -hmm. And without a car, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So my buying process was super quick, mm -hmm. but I had been doing a bunch of research beforehand. Okay. So the idea with your sister, it took her a week. Why did it only take her a week? I think, okay, so I'll, it took her a week from when she actually went to the first dealership to actually look for a car. But yeah. research-wise, if you want to include that, I think it took her like close to a year because and, she's and always wanted a car, but she didn't need it necessarily. Nothing wrong with her car. So I guess that's... I misunderstood what you said. But. And, but but that's a perfect thing because that is exactly what most people go through when mm -hmm. they think, well, you know, it only takes my clients a week to decide on a new kitchen remodel at 75 grand. But in reality, just like your sister, your sister spent a whole year. Yeah. And then let's back it up. What kind of car did she buy? So, you ended up, so she had a Toyota Camry and she ended up buying a Ford um, Edge, I think, the SUV. I think it's the Edge. Okay. So your sister that bought a Ford Edge. Mm -hmm. How old is your sister? She's 28. 28 years old. How how long do you think she's been seeing Ford commercials for? Oh, probably every time she turns the TV on, they're all over. For 28 years now. Yep. So she has known the company of Ford mm -hmm. for 28 years. Yep. And if you had to guess, how many Ford commercials do you think she's seen? <sighs> Thousands, probably. Do you think she knows who Henry Ford is? Her probably not, but I mean, she could recognize it probably. She could recognize yeah. it. So that is where it all starts mm -hmm. is that the sale and the marketing and everything didn't start the week that she walked into a dealership and then it's game on. It's been 28 years of knowing. Has she ever bought a Ford before? No. Okay. So that, that, her first car was that Camry. So. so it's been 28 years of seeing Ford commercials, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of commercials, learning in school about Henry Ford and all the stuff that he's done, the founder of this company. And then seeing all the different models of Ford, and then in 2008, learning about what happened with, you know, um, GM and mm -hmm. Ford and all those, you know, companies uh, out in Detroit. So she's, it's been a household name for probably, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah. So you got to think about that. So when you now as a kitchen remodeler go, when well, this company, like, they don't want to pay my high prices. It's like, because they just heard about you this week. Mm -hmm. They just really went on to like, you know, one of those third party lead gen sites or they got a referral from a friend. And this is the first time they've ever heard about your company. They have no idea why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. They've seen a couple of reviews. They've seen a couple of things of this, but- their process in which they buy a car mm -hmm. that's 75 grand is they need to see 28 years of commercials. They need to spend a year of doing active research online. And then the final week of visiting dealerships and talking to salesmen, that's the culmination. Yeah. So that's what most people get wrong is that it's, it's like, you know, it's an overnight success, 20 years in the making. Mm -hmm. This was a week long sales process, 28 years in the making. Now, if you're trying to sell your stuff and you are a remodeler, landscaper, whatever it is, and you have a really high price point stuff, 
this is how you build a brand, just like what Ford's doing. So people are used to seeing Ford. They're used to learning about Ford. They're used to doing all this stuff. But then you turn around and don't do any of it. Yeah. And then get mad when somebody doesn't want to spend $75,000 on a kitchen. Yeah. But why would they? Because they don't know who you are. Hey, guys, if you're looking to grow your business, make sure you head over to contractorgrowthnetwork.com. Learn all about everything that we can do. Websites right now are the hot thing. Everybody's at home. Get on it because this is the new way that people are buying today. Contractorgrowthnetwork.com. Speaking of, of self-aware, in, in Profit for, for Contractors, you talk all about the craftsman cycle. And it seems that most people that are in this craftsman cycle have no idea until they finally go, oh, crap, I'm, I'm in the cycle. So could you touch on, first off, what is the craftsman cycle? And second, how can you identify if you're actually stuck in it right now? Yeah, so that in my book, Profit First for Contractors, we identify what what I call the craftsman cycle, and what it's, what I found in in my experience in in starting a construction business, and what in dealing with uh, clients, and even before I became a business coach, I found myself answering questions from other people in my network that were, you know, we're kind of I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a mastermind group. Everybody has their friends that call them up and say, hey what do you do? How do you price this? Or, you know, uh, do you have a contract for that? Or do you have a subcontractor that can do this or whatever? So answering those questions, I realized when I stepped back to write the book that there's this thing called the craftsman cycle. And it really, the, the way that you get sucked into it, uh, there's two things that lead to it, lack of time and guessing. So there's four phases of this cycle. And if uh, your listeners haven't heard about this before, Sit down because you're about to get smacked in the face because I'm about to describe probably the the your life up until this point. Or if you're out of the craftsman cycle, you will remember these days being like, yep, that was the first seven years of our business. Here are the four phases. It is price work, get work, produce work, find work. So it starts off when most of us have started construction businesses. We we were working somewhere else before and we said, Hey, I'm going to go, I had, I'm going to go work for myself. And let's say that you were making, I don't know, 30 bucks an hour and you say, now I'm in business for myself. And I know that my boss charges my time out at, I don't know, 50 bucks an hour, 60 bucks an hour, whatever it is. And so you think, oh, I can, I can make some more money. I'll, I'll charge myself out at $50 an hour. And so what happens is you go out and you start getting, you know, you start pricing work. And it starts with side jobs or whatever. It starts out small. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. This is where everybody starts. But you're guessing at what your price should be. And for most construction business owners, they start out and they, they produce great work. So what happens, and I'll ask you this, what happens when you do really high quality work for a really low price? You have to start finding money elsewhere. No, no, no. What I'm saying is you produce high quality work and you're not charging a lot for oh, it. Oh you get a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we go out, we price work, and then a few weeks later, a few months later, we turn around, we're like, I got all this work. Look at all this money. It's more money than I've ever made or ever had. And you start- I'm booked out three years, I'm, yeah. I'm booked out a year. Look at this. Yeah. I just started a bit. What's everybody complaining about? Like, business is awesome. I know I got to hustle and grind and do all that bull crap, right? But that's what it is. And woohoo, I'm making money. So it starts off with pricing work, and you're probably pricing your work too low. Then- what happens is you get all of that work and you're you're excited. That's the second phase. You price work based on a guess uh, mm -hmm. and you think it's great. Now you get the work. 
that's awesome. Now you're booked up. Now your time is gone because you're 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 spending most of your time pricing more work and and talking to people and making sales. Now the third phase. Now you start producing the work. That's when your time is eliminated and the money is gone because now you have to start spending money and you realize I don't have enough money left to pay for this project. So what do I got to do? I got to go the fourth fourth cycle. I got to go find work. You have Mm -hmm. no money. You have no time. And so the most important thing of calculating the numbers and understanding exactly what your costs are and what you should be charging. And when you figure that out, when you figure out what you should be charging, your clients are going to say no because they don't want to pay your higher price but it's the only way to stay in business. So then you make desperate decisions and you go and find work. To, you're really finding work to pay for the end of the current job that you're on. When you find that work, you go right back into the cycle, you price it, and then you get it, and then you mm-hmm. produce it, and then the same thing happens again and again and again. So that is the craftsman cycle. Price work, get work, produce work, find work. And it's vicious, and it has to do with guessing at your numbers and the elimination of your time. But the way that you break out of that cycle is by saying no more that what I'm doing now is not producing a profit for me. You probably have to raise your prices. You probably need to delegate some work, hire some other people, get some systems in place. And you'll find that the word no can be one of the most profitable words in your business. Meaning when you figure out, wait a minute, I gotta, I've got to raise my prices by 20 or 30% in order to make a profit. That's just how the math works out. Mm-hmm. And then you go talk to a client and you price it correctly. And they say, no, you're too high. You say, great, not a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Get on to somebody else that will pay your price. And that gets into like, you have to learn how to sell. You have to learn how to sell. And that's a struggle for a lot of construction business owners because they spent years making people happy. The reason, and you have to understand, the reason that your clients are so happy, they don't even realize why they're happy. They're happy because you do really great work, you work 80 hours a week, and you don't charge nearly enough for the value that you provide. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're going to be happy. You're a miserable wreck, (laughs) but your clients are happy. But then eventually you can't, it's not sustainable. And everybody out there knows you start putting off clients, you start delaying projects, and you're chasing money. And the whole time, you're scared of someone saying no because you want to make people happy. But when you have the systems and the math behind you, and the it really is a confidence thing. Hey, you don't want to pay my price? It's not a problem. We can't work for you because mm-hmm. I can't go out of business working for you. So somebody out there that's listening right now that they go, all right, I'm in this cycle. I, I realize it now. What is the first step for them? I know you said raise your prices, but like I hear some people go, you know, I raised my prices instead of charging 5,000. Now I charge 5,200, but they're still in the red on every project. So what would you say is a good first step to actually getting out of the cycle? Yeah, you have to, you have to know your numbers. Okay. Like you have to, you can't guess anymore because guessing um, is not going to solve the problem. And when you've got the, like I said, when you have the confidence of math behind you, 
Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to walk away to say no or at least make the decisions that you need to make. Listen, you're on a path. You're on a race to the bottom if you're competing on your price. You got to li- you got to know your numbers and, and determine how to sell your value. And I tell my clients this all the time. Like you, you have to ch- what got you here is not going to get you to the next level. And if you've never made any money, then you got to do something. You have to do something different. So the math is the math. And that's the great thing about the math of your business it will never change. Everything else in your business will change. Market mm-hmm. conditions, uh, materials, building science, uh, all of these things that are outside of your control. But the math of your business will never change. When you can have confidence in that, then that's what starts breaking, breaking you out of the craftsman cycle. But the easiest way, the simplest way to do that, and I talk about this in the book, and in fact, it's like the first action item that we say in the in the first chapter, is you go set up a bank account, call it profit, and what whatever amount of money is in your bank account right now, you take 1% and put it in your profit account. Don't touch it. You're not going to miss it because it's just 1%. If, mm-hmm. you know, if, that, if that is $1,000 in your bank account, we're talking about 10 bucks. You're not, you can, you can, you, you'll survive off of $990. If it's $100,000, we're talking about $1,000, 1%. It's so small, you're not going to miss it, but it starts that habit. You might not know anything about your numbers. You still may be guessing, but you make this small little step, put that money aside, don't touch it, and it will be there mm-hmm. at the end of the quarter, at the end of the, at the end of the year. And for some people listening out there, if they'll do that one or 2%, don't touch it. Every check that comes in, just siphon off one or two percent, put in that bank account. That's probably the most profitable you've ever been, even at one or two percent. Do you do you think that this whole craftsman cycle, this is just the construction industry that falls into this boat? Or do you think there's other businesses out there that are kind of playing the same game, always trying to, you know, sell more work just to make up for the stuff that they've already got in production right now? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, the craftsman cycle is representative of a lot of other um, entrepreneurial type businesses and other mm-hmm. business owners. I'm sure they have their own struggle. Um, sure. I, I I think that uh, the craftsman cycle is unique in our industry in the fact that that contractors are expected to work for free. And what I mean by that is when when you call up your mechanic, let's say, for example, you call up your mechanic mm-hmm. and you say, hey, my car's broken down or it's having some problems. I don't know what's wrong with it. Can you fix it? And they say, yeah, bring it on in the shop. We'll take a look at it. You drop it off there. And uh, the next day, the mechanic calls you back and says, by the way, Logan, we figured it out. You got a leak in the radiator. Um, one of your belts is slipping. And because we're such good professionals, um, and we can tell you, you know, you drive this car pretty hard. We check the brakes. Your brakes are shot and you need an oil change. Mm-hmm. Because we're professionals. We looked at more than just the problem you said you thought you had. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff is going to cost you $800 to fix. You want us to fix it. And you say, you know, you know what? I've, I've watched some YouTube videos and, and uh, thanks for the diagnostic. <laughs> and uh, I got a buddy of mine that's got some tools. And um, I think if you'll just give me the information, I'll go buy my own belt. And you know what? I'll do it myself. And the mechanic mm-hmm. will say, sure, no problem. Come up, come down here and pick up your piece of crap, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can say that, but you go down to the shop and before he hands you the keys, he's going to hand you an invoice for $95 for yep. the diagnostic work. Yep. And you are going to pay it every time and you'll be happy about it. You're not going to argue because he provided you with a professional service. But for some reason, 
contractors are supposed to go out to your house, diagnose all of your problems, give you their solutions, write it up into a detailed scope of work, break out their labor and material costs, and provide that to you, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, so that you can make an informed decision about whether or not you're going to hire them or not. That is unique in the construction industry, and no one else has to do that. Thanks for listening to the Contractor Growth Network Podcast. If you want to learn more about pre-qualified leads, fewer objections, and higher profits, join our Facebook group, Common Sense Contracting.